This is Uptime with Douglas. For over 55 years, Douglas has provided customers with high-quality, automated packaging solutions for paperboard, corrugated, and shrink film. Join us as we talk with the experts and dive into the challenges and solutions faced by customers in the secondary packaging industry. Hello, everyone. Welcome to another episode of Uptime, a Douglas Machine podcast. I'm your host, Daniel Litwin, the voice of B2B. And folks, thanks for joining us on another episode. Great to have you listening along for some more thought leadership out of Douglas Machine. As you're listening along, make sure that you're subscribing to Uptime on Apple Podcasts and Spotify for a full catalog of previous episodes, as well as notifications when we drop new ones. And also make sure that you're going to our website, douglas-machine.com. Again, douglas-machine.com for more information on our secondary packaging solutions, as well as more uptime and other Douglas Machine content. So on today's episode of the podcast, we're getting a state of the union on the secondary packaging equipment industry, and more specifically, how the most recent COVID-related pain points, but also broader trends that we were already feeling in the industry, are impacting packaging equipment needs. We're going to really break down the full timeline and understand point by point, uh, what those needs are and potentially how to solve them. So for insights today, we're joined by Steve Lips, Senior Director of Product Management for Douglas Machine, Inc. Steve, great to have you on. How you doing? Uh, Great to be here. Thank you. Very well. Yeah, pleasure getting to chat today. Looking forward to sourcing your thoughts here today. I want to start by highlighting your career in the industry because I think it frames the conversation and your perspective well. So you have over 25 years of experience in technical sales and marketing roles within the packaging equipment industry. So in that career timeline, how have you seen the macro trends of the industry evolved? Uh, you know, What have they shaped the most and why? Uh, I guess if I was to start and summarize, I'd look at the macro trend being just the balance that our customers have had to play between the mass market and then the new and expanding numbers of segments in the market. You know, I think in terms of both in the consumer side, serving the mass market of consumers, but also niches within that. Also applies to retailers and distribution of their products and how that's changed, along with the products themselves. If I was to expand further, you know, I look at the first trend that I've seen is uh, on the consumer side, just kind of the expanding and changing market of consumers. If I look at packaged good producers who are the Customers that we serve the most, you know, we refer to them as CPG companies and the packaging industry. Consumers have certainly changed, both in volume. That's really driven our customers to focus on optimizing, you know, higher speeds, more throughput, that aspect of their production cycle. So that's been driven by volume. But then at the same time, you've had all these changes in what consumers want and how many variations of what they want there are in the market. That's been a conflict because uh, you know, running the same thing and producing the same product all day is very efficient and very effective. But with uh, everything from the number of different demographic groups that are out there and people wanting to try new and different products, that really puts pressures on our, our customers who are producing products and, and how to keep their operations effectively. I look at the beer industry, you know, the shift from big national brands in the beer industry to uh, now we're looking at craft brewers, and even microbrewers that are in the industry and having an impact on the brewing industry overall. Even though that's fairly recent, if you even look at it today, that's already starting to plateau and you're seeing new products come out with 
hard seltzers and health drinks that are greatly affecting what the beverage market looks like overall. So when you start getting into packaging equipment, the equipment needs have had to parallel both of those trends on the consumer side and, and help our customers meet opportunities in the market. I'd expand further. The, the other subset of that is the, the retailers, you know, retail distribution channels for food and beverage, which is probably 80% of what we do, has also been a, a big macro trend in the market. The diversity of retailers and how they serve the market is varying. You know, you start with the regional local grocers, and then progressively we've added Walmart and Sam's Club, Costco, thousands of dollar stores. You know, they're on every corner these days. Aldi, convenience stores are revamping what they're doing. And tech, even home improvement stores sell food and beverage products. All this is is driving food producers to produce different packs that these different outlets are demanding, certainly putting a lot of pressures on them. So we talk in terms of uh, how flexible can equipment be, what capabilities can it uh, does it have to produce different packs and do it simply. All of these different retail and outlet channels want different products. They want unique products. They want them packaged in certain ways. Uh, they want to hit different price points, which is uh, really putting pressures on, on the consumer packaged good producers. You know, a third macro trend I'd point to is uh, workforce demographics. If you look at the workforce, generally there's less amount of labor available and there's less skilled labor available uh, in many areas. And that, that's affecting the baseline operations of our customers, their ability of their maintenance staff, uh, the capabilities of their operators, the numbers of those that they're able to obtain. Even on the project engineering side, uh, you know, the availability of project engineers to implement new lines and, and increase production for the consumers, all those have, have pressures based on the workforce. Everybody's, everybody's being asked to do more with less. Now, how have you seen those macro trends impact your customers' uh, specific needs, both day-to-day -day and also uh, long-term strategy needs? You know, I think long-term and day-to-day, -day, to me, it feels like an effort to control the chaos you know, really great pressures that they have on, on what needs to be produced while at the same time keeping production simple enough that they can be effective and be profitable as, as uh, producers that, uh, that are serving the, you know, the customers in the market. So that's changed. They've had to kind of provide that balance between maintaining high throughput and high speeds and efficiencies to serve the mass market, but then doing things like, you know, investing machine that have have high speed capabilities, but then also maybe have that little additional flexibility they need to serve a, a new and up upcoming segment. We've also had customers that have had to have secondary packaging operations offline from their main production flow to address certain niches in the market. You know, that type of thing can affect the types of automation and the breadth of automation that, that our customers are looking for. You know, high speed, highly efficient automation on one end and highly flexible automation or simpler automation at the, at the other. So those are, those are factors that are affecting our customers. When you pull in the workforce challenges on top of all this, it, that's really been the umbrella of factor that's impacted by all of these needs and, and opportunities in the market is, do our customers have the staff that are able to execute and perform and, and produce the products needed? So they're really struggling in those areas on how to, how to keep their work, workforce productive. 
Now, of course, we have to talk a little bit about uh, the impacts of COVID. It's really the unavoidable elephant in the room, right? So when we uh, bring it even more recently to a COVID context, how has the industry had to adapt to increased demand as well as safety concerns, not only for consumers, but in my opinion, even more importantly, for uh, workers in the space as well? Yeah, COVID's, uh, I'd put it in the category of accelerating all current trends that are out there. You know, a big portion of the outlet for our customers is through you know, retail and distribution channels that serve customers at home, food and beverage being a significant part of it. But uh, our customers have the maybe uh, food service side of their businesses, which are generally down, you know, those that are providing products to restaurants, for example. However, on the retail side, for things that customers purchase and bring home for use, you know, th- those demands have just accelerated and have been blown out of the water. So it's, uh, you know, those certainly put stresses on, again, what, what type of flexibility do they have in their operation to not only serve all these different markets and new products that are in the market, but be able to do it even faster and at higher volumes than they've had to do it in the past to meet the demands because of COVID. Daniel, I think you asked a question on kind of the safety side of things also, you know, for personnel. I look at that and Everybody's facing scenarios where they're trying to keep their employees safe. So they're they're testing employees. If employees have symptoms, they're being you know removed and isolated for periods of time. So that you know that 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 again has more impact on their workforce. You know, I, I kind of mentioned doing more with less. To some degree, COVID has caused less resources to be available, but but like we talked about, the demand is even higher. So that's that's really been a a, a big impact overall. Uh, you know, from the packaging equipment industry standpoint, you know, we've always and have recently start, started thinking about in terms of simplicity for our customers. You know, simplicity has been a key factor in overall productivity of personnel and the production lines that they maintain and operate. You know, it's, it becomes a baseline of, of whether equipment and lines uh, can run efficiently. And, and certainly as you talk about COVID and just the pressures that it's put on the workforce, Simplicity, again, becomes a a factor in how well that workforce is able to perform. Now, I'm sure you speak with plenty of customers in the uh, fulfillment and um, just broader shipping industries on their day-to-days to to understand, uh, you know, how these changes are reaching them individually. Do you have any anecdotes that you can pull from to ground these shifts in the packaging industries and just packaging workflows? Anything that highlights kind of what we've been talking about. One way I could do that is uh, you know, we've been conducting customer interviews in a fairly structured manner. You know, we, we refer to it as Douglas Discovery, really seeking out to get feedback directly from customers on pain points and, and things that they need within their operations and things that they would like to see. A couple of the anecdotes were actually, they're kind of interesting the way customers talk about what they need. You know, One comment a customer made is, People always talk about changeover, changing over a machine to run a different product, and and I want to be able to change from recipe one to recipe two and optimizing that. That's kind of been the common effort that machine producers have been trying to provide our customers. This customer took it even further. They said, not only do I need a machine that's going to change over fast between recipe one and recipe two, but I need a machine that I can set up a brand new recipe of something I've never run before, and I need to be able to do that quickly. In another example, a customer 
talked about kind of the challenge of keeping personnel and they talked about training sessions. They said, well, the value of bringing a group into a conference room to conduct training sessions has really been reduced because of the turnover of labor based on its limited availability. Training operators in a conference room could could create a situation where that training is obsolete within a month or two of personnel leave. So their comment was along the lines of, you know, needing machines that either don't require tra training at all, or the machines have the simplicity and ability to provide training on the fly. All right, let's go ahead and bring Douglas Machine uh, more intently into the conversation here. Can we talk a bit about uh, the company's approach to innovation around packaging equipment? And more specifically, how has Douglas balanced both simplicity and complexity in its designs to best meet all of these packaging needs, both short-term COVID ones, whether that is uh, in safety or um, increased demand in the fulfillment side of the packaging industries, all the way to these long-term macro trends you broke down as well. Where does Douglas intersect in its designs and why? Uh, one area is just the portfolio breadth that we have. We've increased our portfolio to cover a broader range of applications, all the way from high-end, high-throughput needs to other applications that have that are built more for flexibility. We've also invested, you know, specifically and heavily in, in ways to make machines simpler. You know, robotics is a tool that builders like us can use to make machines that have additional capabilities within the machine. But those there's commercial robots that are provided by suppliers, and and we've employed those at times. But we ran into limitations where robots weren't able to be applied either cost effectively or based on their format and footprint. They have the complexity of needing additional control panels to run each individual robot. And it just became a limiter to the opportunity we saw to simplify machines further than anybody's simplified machines before. So um, we've invested in what I, I, I like to refer to as a purpose-built uh, robot. You know, robot specifically built for a purpose to replace, call it more complicated mechanisms in the machine just to greatly simplify the machine overall, both in how it, how it looks and feels to an operator based on reducing the number of parts in the machine to reducing the amount of maintenance in a machine. Controls, and I mentioned commercial robotics needing their own control panels. We've simplified that and developed robots that allow us to use the same Rockwell Logics controllers that we use in our machines today, the same servo drives that we use in our machines today that customers are comfortable with maintaining. So that's provided simplicity. You know, in one example, in one of our case packing machines, we've taken as much as 40% of the parts out of the machine. So that becomes 40% fewer parts to for maintenance people to have to clean, uh, for maintenance people to have to maintain, reducing the number of lubrication points to simplify that for maintenance personnel, just to take less time and give those personnel time to do other things they need to be doing. That same machine also helps operators with changeover. We eliminated or automated 40% of the change points so that operators have less to do when they're changing from recipe to one to recipe two. And we're doing that as, as a standard on that case packer. Uh, that's that's uh, our CP1 model case packer that we've uh, introduced about a year and a half ago. 
maybe so we can uh, nerd out on the technical side of things a little bit. What are some of these specific uh, technical decisions, manufacturing decisions that enable this solution to meet those needs? Any uh, any specs that you can share? I think this, the specs from the, if I put it in customer terms, it's g- give us something that just works. Give us something that goes into a machine that's intuitive for our operators to run, as intuitive as possible for operators to run. That's in terms of maintenance, again, on the maintenance, make the maintenance as intuitive and simple as possible by bringing points of maintenance closer to the edges of the machine that are more visible for maintenance people to see what needs to be done and, and how that gets done. You know, that's kind of the specification from the, from the customer side that's been the focus on, on our efforts to simplify machines overall. Robotics are also commonly known to need special programming. So that, that can be scary because that speaks to complexity, not simplicity. But we've been able to take robotics and drive a lot of the robotic motions with parameters that are common to, to our customers. The size of the package. By entering the size of the package, the motion of the robot is calculated and automatically performed. Again, simplifying things for them, allowing them to set up new recipes and and be more flexible with their operations. Do you have any examples of how uh, this Douglas machine technology is being put to best use in the industry today? Any other anecdotes, either from your clients or otherwise? Some of the latest technologies we've had are are, are relatively new, so that those pieces of equipment are you know in process or recently installed. The, you know the feedback we're getting is is what we what we wanted to achieve with those objectives. It's, it kind of boils down to you know, performance of the machine, simplicity of the machine, and then value, making sure that the, the machine is at a value that provides best justification for the customer uh, overall. Customers use a term often referred to asset utilization. It ties heavily to the efficiency of the machine. It ties heavily to how much uptime the machine has. Doing things like minimizing maintenance, minimizing change over time, those factors can really increase asset utilization. Simplicity of the machine, how easy is it for the operator to understand if where intervention is needed and, and the ability to physically access the machine to do that. All of those factors are increasing asset utilization with some of the technologies and innovations supporting that. All right, to close the conversation... And we still have a little bit here to unpack, but just last main set of questions I want to ask you is if you could help us break down some of the more specific ways that maximizing simplicity and time in packaging technologies can address a variety of the industry's current needs. So I'm going to go down the list here. I'm going to point a few of the key ones out. And then if you could just share some of the ways that you see this technology that maximizes simplicity and time addressing these needs. So we'll start with the workforce skills gap. This is something that has become an issue in many industries. Uh, and so I'd like to learn a little bit more about how this is manifesting in uh, the fulfillment and shipping side of the you know packaging and retail industries and where this technology meet those needs. Yeah, speaking of workforce skills gap, I'd, I'd point to a couple areas. Uh, one, one is a less tangible item, but being in the equipment industry, when you walk up to a machine, some machines are just evidently simpler. You walk up to them and they just look less complex. You can see what's going on. 
you can understand how the machine is operating just by visually being able to see what's going on inside of it and how the machine looks and feels. That is a is a less tangible factor, but a big one. With new operators coming on board uh, at our customer locations and, and their customers needing those operators to be effective quickly, the ability of, of a machine not to, quite honestly, scare a new, a new operator or a new employee to make them feel more comfortable in operating the machine uh, is a big benefit when it comes to workforce skills gap. This next one may seem pretty straightforward, but uh, getting a more detailed answer, I think, would be good for our listening audience. How does this technology help meet the needs of uh, productivity on the work floor? Uh, Obviously, when something is maximizing both simplicity of use and the time it takes to use it, you would imagine that productivity is one of the first metrics that can improve. Uh, But can you give us a more detailed answer as to why and how? Yeah, no, I think you're right to acknowledge that productivity is, uh, does include that combination of how productive are the employees that are operating a line. You know, it also speaks to how, how reliable is the equipment. And uh, certainly through experience, machines that have fewer components tend to be more reliable. If you go back 20 years and you looked at machines that had mechanical cams and lots of linkages to have them operate, you know, their reliability and efficiency would decrease over time as the machine wore just because there were so many components to wear. With later designs, now that we've been able to reduce a significant number of components in the machine, that reduces maintenance, reduces failures, which overall increases productivity. What about in terms of asset utilization? Uh, where does this simple and uh, time-maximizing technology uh, impact asset utilization in the packaging space? We talked about asset utilization being that combination of efficiencies overall of the machine while it's running, but also uptime of the machine overall. So asset utilization speaks to that whole umbrella of minimizing stoppages, minimizing the uh, time to recover if you do have a stoppage. You know, certainly plays into a part. Changeover plays a part into asset utilization. How quickly can you change over and get back online, and how accurate is that changeover? When we were earlier talked about Eliminating or automating change points is a standard on one of our latest case packer designs. Sometimes you have to look at the time that's saved by an operator not having to make that change. But if you have newer operators and they're less experienced and they happen to make a mistake on a changeover and it takes, you know, that could be complex and take time to diagnose. So something that should be, you know, a one minute changeover item can quickly and suddenly become 10 minutes of lost production time while you try to diagnose you know, what's wrong. So all of those factors uh, feed into asset utilization overall. What about in terms of machine flexibility? Is there anything that Douglas Machine does with their packaging technologies and equipment that just naturally makes them more flexible as solutions? And what kind of impact does that have? Yeah, when you speak in terms of flexibility, you know, that that's often first, you know, foremost, a conversation between the customer and ourselves and trying to understand what the customer's needs are for flexibility. Now, there's a high element of our, our designs and the equipment that gets supplied that are adapted and applied and designed for you know, the range of what the customer might have to do. So that partnership uh, is a key driver in flexibility. Another one would be, if I reference in another design we have where it's another innovative design that effectively combines grouping the products into a collation pattern 
and loading uh, the products into a, a case into one mechanism, you know, completely eliminating what would typically be an in-feed section of a machine. You know, it's also a robotic-based design, again, a purpose-built robot that, uh, that we have that uses a, you know, standard controls that our customers prefer to use every day. But that designs one way that, that a machine provides flexibility by just eliminating an entire section of the machine, which takes away the complexity uh, of having design a more mechanized machine that you'd either either couldn't run a particular application the customer may want to run or would require modifications or changes to be able to run a new product. So th there's a really unique technology, and that's uh, I'm referring to our Trivex SL, which is a retail-ready, shelf-ready case packing solution uh, that really provides a flexibility for our customers has been quite successful in that area. Just a few more I want to get your thoughts on, Steve. Uh, how does maximizing simplicity in time in packaging technology address changeover capabilities as well? Any intersections there to comment on? Uh, yes, definitely, directly. You know, changeover is a big deal for customers. They can be complex. They can take time. Mistakes that are made can cause inefficiencies as things get started up on a line. Kind of break it down into eliminate. You know, if you can eliminate a change point, that's the ultimate. We've made steps in eliminating change points through designs, using a design that uh, you know, I mentioned previously on the Trivex SL, completely eliminating an infeed that eliminates and minimize a changeover item, automating changeover. You know, we've found that the ability to automate changeover points on elements of our machine where it cost-effectively reduces the mechanisms needed to mechanically make the changeover and manually make the changeover. So that's a win-win for for us being able to supply a customer at a uh, at a better price point uh, and at the same time giving the customer the benefit of not having to touch that change point. Uh, another comes down to changeover accuracy, linear adjustments things that are on slots and people adjust to a pointer location. Those are common, but often difficult to really make accurate. We're working on solutions that are able to put numeric uh, values to those linear adjustments and be able to provide those back to the HMI for verification. You know, when you think in terms of changeover, five minutes of changeover savings, if you equate that on a per shift basis and a number per changeover basis over a year's period of time, you can be talking about hundreds of thousands of extra units going out the door based on saving five minutes on a particular changeover. Really, really large impacts in that area. Now, how about in terms of accessibility of the machines, uh, specifically accessibility of the machines for uh, the workers that will be interacting with said equipment day in and day out. Any intersections there? Accessibility can directly feed to asset utilization. Accessibility is both visual and physical. Even from a, a visual standpoint, clean sight lines into the machine and just the, some of these come down to the awareness of the designers and the thought that they put into the design in, in terms of accessibility while they do the design work. How do you make guard doors that don't have frame members and interferences that avoid sight lines? Uh, lining up frame members of the machine so that they enable access into specific areas. All of those elements become aspects of accessibility into a machine that help operators and maintenance personnel both. 
you know, we also have to keep in mind that operators that operate equipment are, are not all six foot six tall. Uh, you have operators that are you know, five feet tall and 90 pounds. So how we design access to guard doors, provisions within the machine to provide access to, to the full range of operators uh, come into play in our thoughts while we design. Now, on top of all of this, there's also the factors of ergonomics, safety, and sanitation, or maybe just more generally maintenance of said machines. Uh, can you give some thoughts on that and how uh, a piece of equipment that maximizes simplicity and um, ease of use and uh, speed of use makes the ergonomics, the safety, and the maintenance or broader sanitation of the machine more easy? Yeah, this, it gets to be a bit of a beneficial snowball where it just builds and builds on itself overall. So if the design incorporates fewer components, it automatically becomes easier to clean because there's less to clean. It could be safer with with better access in that people aren't reaching into areas of the machine that might be confined. So by providing more accessibility, safety is provided. Uh, safety, for the most part, is, a, is also a given that safety has to come first. All the regulations and requirements on safety and, and how the machine is built have to be into consideration for safety. Ergonomics uh, certainly also comes into play. It, it ties directly to accessibility and accessibility in a way that, that simplifies things for the operator. Setting up material provisions so that materials inputs that are going into the machine, such as uh, case materials or shrink film materials, cartons, those types of things, that we're providing is ergonomic uh, of access to supply those materials into the machine. And finally, Steve, how about for the maintainability of the machine? So, you know, day-to-day usage and therefore longevity of these machines. How does it intersect with the component reduction and reliability aspects of that maintainability of a, a packaging equipment technology? Yeah, I, I was... Kind of an interesting story. I was at a customer site a few months back, and they they were talking about their effort they put into maintainability in their machines. And they went through a process of, I guess for lack of a better explanation, auto-detailing their machines. They cleaned them to the point where they were spotless. They added a lighting inside the machine for visibility so that if if a drop of oil showed up on, on the floor of the machine, that lighting would show it really a strong effort towards providing a machine that's clean to start with. And as a result, it provides a baseline where if there's variances from that, they can identify it and, and identify where the machine might need to be maintained. You know, on the machine design, some of the same comes into play. You know, by reducing components, you reduce what needs to be maintained. That's that's a first step in maintenance is, is to eliminate. We have considerations on designing auto-tensioning type mechanisms and devices. So things that maintenance historically would have to, say, tweak and adjust to get to operate properly, considerations for how do we design that out so that it's automatically done for them and, and they don't have to do it themselves. All those items drive into reliability, providing mechanisms that either eliminate adjustments, eliminate the tweaking and tuning, or automatically align themselves and tune themselves to be able to run. You know, I could point to a, one of our machine platforms as a shrink platform, and, and the we worked on a mechanism that cuts film before it applies it onto the package for shrink wrapping. And that cutter design itself uh, was designed with this in mind. Auto adjustment of drive tensions so that the tension doesn't either get too loose or, or too tight and, and impact the reliability of that component. 
tracking mechanisms that track belts and make sure that they are where they need to be so they don't track incorrectly and, and cause downtime and additional maintenance. So really from top to bottom incorporated into our design thought process overall and taking direct steps to provide real tangible benefits for the customer. All right, Steve Lips, that about wraps up our conversation for the day. Any final thoughts here on how the secondary packaging equipment industry is looking going into 2021 and just any final pieces of advice or areas where our listening audience should be focusing as we move into next year? Well, certainly uh, a challenging and exciting time. You know, COVID's uh, applied some challenges and the demands are up on everywhere from the consumer through through to the uh, packaging equipment providers. You know, definitely there's opportunity in the market for everybody and, and really excited to be a part of it. I, strides we're making in in addressing the opportunities in the market to address the needs of the customers are 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 what we're striving to do and making great strides on. So I Excited to be a part of it. Really, really am excited to be a part of it. All right. Steve Lip, Senior Director of Product Management for Douglas Machine Incorporated. Thank you so much for joining us and giving us your thoughts today on the podcast. It's really been a pleasure. And I'm looking forward to chatting with you again soon. Thanks again. Thank you, Daniel. And real quick before we let you go, Steve, if folks want to find out more about the work that you're doing with Douglas Machine uh, or potentially get in touch for any reason, how can they do so? Uh, they can do so by working through our website at douglas-machine.com or calling our office and talking to me directly. Uh, you can reach our office at 320-763-6587. Fantastic. Steve, thanks again. And thank you, everyone, for listening to today's episode of Uptime, a Douglas Machine podcast. If you like what you heard and want to listen to previous episodes, make sure that you're subscribing on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. And make sure you're going to our website, douglas-machine.com. Again, douglas-machine.com. I'm your host, Daniel Litwin, the voice of B2B. Till next time.